Hi, I'm Richard Niles, and here on Radio Richard, we have a saying, and that saying is, ideas make you better. So I thought I'd put together a series of videos called Ideas to Make Your Tracks Better. Now, one of the ideas that can make your tracks better is using brass. Lots of pop records throughout the history of pop, lots of jazz records throughout the history of jazz have utilized brass, and that has made those records more exciting. So you can talk about things like big band records or Count Basie, Ellington, Stan Kenton, and then you can think about small jazz records like Miles Davis and Horace Silver and uh, Weather Report, all kinds of records that have brass kinds of sounds to them. In pop, James Brown brass was very famous. Uh, Stevie Wonder used brass very well. So what is it that these people have done to really make their tracks explode with excitement? I like to take the example of Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Vandellas. Now, as you can hear here, this introduction is really, really exciting and very well known. And as soon as you hear this introduction, before you even hear the song, you hear this introduction. Now, what makes that great? Well, it's a little melody that the arranger Paul Reiser wrote. Now, it isn't part of the song. A lot of introductions use a little melody from the song. But this one didn't. Paul Reiser just came up with that one thing. And you'll notice that it's arranged very, very simply. Uh, it's a whole big band brass section. You've got trumpets, you've got trombones, you've got saxophones. But they're not really being used like a jazz big band. You've got a lot of unison in the, in the horn writing, and you've also got very simple voicings. Uh, so that, that is one way to, to make your track exciting, but you have to come up with a really catchy melody, and Paul Reiser certainly did that. The arranger's job is uh, to control the listener's oral perception through time. That's a quote from my wonderful book, The Invisible Artist, which we'll be talking about a little later. That first 15 seconds of any record is crucial. Uh, if you don't get them in that first 15 seconds, they're going to be likely to touch that dial, and you don't want them to touch that dial, even if it's a digital dial on their phone. So what are other records that have really used brass really well? Well, another great example is Penny Lane uh, by the Beatles. Now, George Martin, who arranged 98% uh, of the Beatles records, uh, he was a wonderful musician. And so for Penny Lane, he was really trying to evoke that uh, that old sort of style of, of English music, of, of the brass band playing in the background, or the dance band. And in this example, the brass is really accompanying the song. It's doing a call and answer thing. Uh, but you'll notice it's just a few notes, but it's very, very catchy and helpful. Have a listen. Penny Lane is in my ear and in my So right he did there was great. And you can even hear in the sound of the way the players played it. It's really just voicings in thirds. Now there's another way of writing for brass in answering the lead vocal. Now in I Want Your Love, uh, Na Rogers of Chic, 
wrote one note, and one note was all it needed to give this chorus a little bit more excitement, and it's something that you look forward to when you hear the backing vocals sing, I Want Your Love. Well, check it out. I won't describe it. Check this out. So yes, that one little trumpet note caught your attention. I always loved the fact that this arrangement used one note to make a record more commercial. And I stole this technique very, very clearly when I did a song called Spy in the House of Love for Was Not Was. Now, I've got to admit, I used more than one note, and I did my typical thing of going a little overboard, but check out how I used this same idea to make this track better. One of the big concepts of brass arranging, especially in popular music, is don't get in the way of the vocals. Don't write over the vocals. It it's very rarely works, and it will only work if the brass line that you're uh, doing is that you're writing is something that doubles something in the rhythm section that's already there, like a like a keyboard phrase or a guitar phrase. But in general, I try to answer and add some interest and excitement by doing these answering phrases. And so that's that's really what we did here in Spy in the House of Love. What I did in Slave to the Rhythm is really similar to I Want Your Love, although it has a few notes. On the track, I heard the drummer, Juju House, making this drum hit that went and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to steal that for the brass. So I wrote a little melody that would go with those rhythms. So check this out and you'll see how I used it. That was really kind of a little moment in the record. Our, our job as arrangers is to make events happen. And remember that when you're making a pop record, you have very little time to hold the attention of the listener. And you not only have to grab them at the beginning, but you have to grab them at different times during the song to say, oh, that was good. What, I wonder what he'll do next. So in this song, there was another place where I found a chance to jump on that snare. Except in this case, this is a 3-4 bar, uh, wantonly thrown into the track, and I, I would guess that this was Steve Lipson's idea. Uh, Trevor Horn and Steve Lipson produced this track brilliantly, and this is a kind of thing, they just took a beat out of the, out of the groove, and it kind of wakes you up. It just makes you think, oh, that's interesting. You know, you don't, you don't get uh, lulled into a false sense of security by the groove. Suddenly there's a three, four bar. Well, in this case, I got to jump on that and make it even more obvious that that was happening. And in a way, by joining the brass with the snare, uh, it justified it. It made it sound like it was supposed to be there all along. And of course, as arrangers, you know, we are composing... We are adding to the composition. We are adding melodies to the composition all the time. And we want it to seem not like it's something that's added on. We want to make it sound like it's meant to be there and it is part of the original composition. 
And of course, the credit for those notes that an arranger writes goes to the original songwriters and publishers. The arranger doesn't get any credit for it. So in a way, uh, I guess it makes sense that uh, it sounds like it was meant to be there and that it was also written by the original writer. But of course, we all know, we arrangers know, it wasn't. So anyway, let's just check this out and you'll see what I did on the 3-4 bar. So I thought that worked pretty well. And so anytime that you can find a chance in one of your tracks, or if you're in a band and you hear something where you could add a, a melodic, catchy phrase uh, based on something that's happening in the track, whether it's a, a snare hit or a guitar line or a keyboard line, jump on it. Add, add a brass sound to that as well and see, see how it makes the track sort of glue together. Anyway, so those are a few ideas on how you can use brass to make your pop records better. Now, of course, I say pop records. I've used pop examples here. But it's also, of course, in, in jazz and in any style of music, these same concepts really work. Many other examples are in my book, The Invisible Artist, which is over here on my left. You've got 500 pages of ideas to make your tracks better. Now, if you want to go into arranging a little bit deeper, you can get my book, Adventures in Arranging. And that has many, many techniques. It's a much more comprehensive book on arranging. It challenges you to try different ideas, to experiment, and to write for all kinds of different ensembles. And as you do this, you'll find that those ideas will make your tracks better. So until next time, I hope you've enjoyed this little trawl through some nice notes that were written by some nice people. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Radio Richard.